Well, are you covered over in ice yet? It has been a treacherous day, and it is looking up because the temperature is going up, and so the drive home will be slushy and wet, but it shouldn't be too, too bad. You know who I kind of feel for? Uh, I feel for the college and university students who did not have their days canceled today and had to make it along the sidewalks. By the way, can we give a round of applause for City Cruise? At some point, we'll be checking in with John Parsons from the City of London. We'll get you an update on roads and sidewalks, but they've done a great job. They really have. But a lot of the college and university students had to brave it. And so many people think, well, you just don't go. Yeah, but there are classes that do keep attendance. And if you don't go... You lose out. Trust me. Uh, I taught a class this morning, and I made note of the people who did show up. And here's why. Don't go thinking that I'm being a hard guy for saying, well, you know, you you should stay home and, and everybody be careful on the sidewalks. No, we're in the business, and it's kind of a strange business to be in. We sit here in front of microphones and say, everybody, stay off the roads. Please, if you don't have to go anywhere, don't go anywhere. It is freezing rain outside. No one should be out there. And then we get in our cars and drive to work. That's kind of the way it goes. Police officers have the same sort of thing. First responders of any kind. Firefighters, they have the same sort of thing. You know, those jobs are needed. And you don't have the ability to flip the switch and say, yeah, we'll just we'll take the day. And there's a lot of people in that position. So if you made it into work, thank you for going slowly. Thank you for taking it easy. And it should get a little bit better from here on out. We are going to be talking with Johnny Van Zant in an hour from now. He is the lead singer of Leonard Skinner. And right now, I believe he's in Jacksonville, Florida. So I don't think he's dealing with the ice and snow that we are. We'll have to check in. He's a big Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And the band Leonard Skinner has quite a story to it. Johnny took it over as a lead singer and was part of of starting it up again because a plane crash had killed members of the band, including his brother. And it was a tough decision. And he will talk about that. And he'll get into what it was like to have to say, do we kind of continue on the memory of this band? He had one brother in 38 Special, another brother in Leonard Skinner. You want to talk musical talent? And then he's able to assume the role of lead singer. So they're going to be coming to Budweiser Gardens in just under a month, March 5th, as a matter of fact, in a big Canadian tour. We're also going to talk more about the fight or not fight. Can we call it a disagreement? What was this? We'll hear some thoughts from the president of the Simcoe Minor Hockey Association about this supposed brawl that took place that at one point could have involved as many as 30 individuals from Paris and Simcoe during a peewee game. What? Yeah, well, everybody's kind of downplayed this since the story came out. So we'll get some thoughts on that, but I think it's probably high time that we talk with our good buddy Brian Barlow. And we talk about parents and the way that they treat officials and the way that they treat each other in minor sports. Brian started a Facebook page just not not to do anything necessarily, just to start one to give people an outlet to send videos to hopefully shame parents into behaving better at their kids' sporting events. 
And I don't know for sure, but I still bet you that there are NHL GMs or NBA GMs or maybe even NFL, I don't know, who get calls from parents. If those parents got the number of the GM, I guarantee you there are some parents who call even though their kids are now professionals. And it's because they've come up through the ranks of sports parents and things get a little zooey. And so we'll talk about that. And we are also going to be joined in studio. Very excited about this. Londoner Scott McDonald is going to be here. Ontario men's curling champion representing Ontario at the Briar that begins in a little over a month from now. So Scott McDonald is going to be in studio. So it is a jam-packed show. And maybe we need to start it off with a great hockey parent and a great hockey kid. And a guy who has been everywhere. His name is Brock Chessel. And in fact, you're going to hear from him because he's coming to London on Friday. And he will be part of our Radiothon for Children's. On Friday, we will be at the Children's Hospital. And we'll be talking to a lot of parents, a lot of kids, a lot of people who are going through some challenges or who have been through some challenges. And it's an emotional day, but it's a very important day. And it's a day that you can help out with. And that's going to be happening on Friday. But Brock Chessel is going to be there with his mom, Julie. You may know them from such times as the Toronto Maple Leafs-Anaheim Ducks game that took place on Tuesday when Brock held up a sign that said, Hey, Mitch Marner, I just beat cancer. And Mitch Marner happened to notice the sign. Next thing you know, Brock has a signed Mitch Marner stick in his hands. He's become pretty famous. And his mom is joining us right now because I think Brock was outside the freezing rain. I don't I think he might be in school right now. But Julie has taken some time out of a busy work day. Brock's mom to talk with us now on London Live. Julie, how crazy have the past 36 hours been? Yeah, it's been an amazing couple um, hours, well, a couple days, really. And we were just going for the game. Uh, we had just come from Brock's oncology appointment and headed right to Toronto, uh, had some dinner, and we just went in early. Brock wanted to go down to the class to see the players during warm-up, and, and we just took a chance with that sign. We had made it in 10 minutes in the morning. We didn't have much time. It dried in the trunk on the way home, and... He just said, Mom, I'm going to hold it up, and hopefully maybe somebody will see it and maybe just shoot a puck over to me. So that was really special what um, happened, and it's almost surreal. We can't even believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. When Brock told you that he wanted to make the sign, did you immediately run and get markers? Uh, what, What happens there? Yeah, no, we actually just got paint out because paint was quicker than a marker. So he just said... Hey, Mitch, Mitch, I beat cancer, as you, you probably saw the sign all over uh, the media. And it was quick and it was easy. We did the yellow for cancer because um, that's a symbol for pediatric cancer. And, you know, it was just a last-minute thing, and we just took a chance, and wow, did it ever pay off. When did you and Brock realize that something was happening down on the ice, that Mitch Marner was actually going to get a stick? Yeah, we. I was up a little bit um, just away from Brock because I didn't want to get in with all the kids and have. I wanted their their uh, time down on the glass, so I stood back a little bit. And we really didn't know what was happening. Brock just was watching the players. He just held his sign very quietly and was just tapping on the glass when whenever anybody would um, 
skate by, and then all of a sudden Brock kind of looked over, and um, Mitch was right there and pointing at him and pointing at him, and, and he saw the stick, but he wasn't sure whether it was for himself or for another kid that was, you know, beside Brock or kind of in, in amongst the crowd, and and then um, Mitch stood there, and you can see it on the video. Mitch um, stood there and made sure that Brock got that stick because there was a couple hands grabbing for it for sure, and, and rightly so. So it was pretty special. It was amazing. Julie Chessel joining us. Brock Chessel's mom as we talk about a story that has been sweeping everywhere. Mitch Marner giving a signed stick to Brock after Brock held up the sign that said, Hey, Mitch Marner. I beat cancer. Now, Julie, you and Brock had just come from an oncology appointment. How had that appointment gone? Actually, we have scans every three months just to make sure that the cancer has not come back. So we were coming back from our oncologist that um, he made sure to tell us that there was no cancer at this scan. um, And we were super excited about that. So it just made the day crazy awesome. And it was World Cancer Day. So it just was perfect. It was amazing. What have the last few months been like for Brock? Well, he was diagnosed about 19 months ago, um, and it's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, Not a whirlwind where, you know, we are meeting, you know, celebrities like Mitch Marner every day, but it's been a whirlwind where this little boy was a regular kid who played hockey, who loved his friends, who, you know, did well in school, and all of a sudden his life stopped. Uh, He wasn't able to play hockey. He wasn't able to, you know, have friends over just in case they were sick. You know, it's a little boy who needed chemotherapy, lost all his hair, and Brock's very, very, uh, his hair is important to him. So that was a hard thing. Um, But he fought back, and he fought back hard, and he won. And we're just so grateful for everybody that's been involved in his care. Well, Julie, it is just a phenomenal story, certainly from Brock and then from the cherry on top from Mitch Marner. One thing we have to ask you about, one last thing, and that is Brock's suit. Where did you find that? (laughs) So we were very fortunate that I had actually seen another suit online. He had gotten one for Christmas a year before that, a year ago, and it was a red one. Um, and he loved it because it looked like Don Cherry, and it just stood out a little bit. And he's a very stylish, snazzy guy. He likes to look good. His hair has to look good. So we found it on oposuits.com. And then this one, um, he was um, going to a gala for Eugene Melnick's foundation. Eugene's the owner of the Ottawa Senators, and Brock's his junior ambassador for the Oregon Project. So we were doing a huge gala in Toronto, and he wanted this blue suit, but it was a men's suit. And it was swimming on him. So we have amazing friends uh, in London uh, that was able to tailor that down to his size, and it still fits him. So where Colin's formal wear in London, it was amazing and helped us get that to, to his size. So, yeah, that's where it came from. And he, you know, he wants more suits, and he's kind of snazzing and profiling like that. That's his style. Can we look forward to him being snazzing and profiling on Friday at Radiothon? Yeah, absolutely. He'll be wearing that suit. Hey, can't wait. I, I hope we can all get pictures with him because uh, everybody's excited to see that suit up close. And, uh, and tell the story again. Julie, thank you for telling it now. Thank you so much, and we'll see you Friday. Sounds great. Julie Chessel, mom of Brock Chessel. And Brock is, again, if you're just joining us, the guy in the blue suit from the Leafs-Anaheim game. You've seen the video shared all over the place who had a sign that said, Hey, Mitch Marner, I just beat cancer. And Mitch Marner noticed it 
and went over to the bench, signed a stick, got it to Brock, and Brock is actually going to be at the Chorus Radiothon at the Children's Hospital on Friday. We'll be there all day. You can certainly help out. We've got some amazing people that we are going to meet, and it is a day to look forward to. Comes up on Friday across all of our Chorus Radio London stations. So Fresh Radio, Country 104, and FM 96. We'll take a break. Up next, we're going to talk casinos. Not casinos in London, although we do have a development to share in that way. But how about another casino? Does the area at large need another casino? Well, there's another part of this area, Grand Bend, South Huron, that is certainly beyond the stages of just thinking about creating a casino. We'll get the story for you. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Anytime you have a question, you can always email... Mike at 980cfpl.ca, and sometimes we're able to get information that is tough to come by. Just got an email from Rob saying, have you heard anything about the suspension for Cole Timken throwing his stick? No, not yet, but if you look at the way that things are written up on the game sheet, it does look like a three-game suspension, unless, of course, the league reviews it otherwise, so... That will probably come, I would say, tomorrow or Friday. A lot of times suspensions are announced on the next day that a team plays. And so that would be Friday for the London Knights. Tonight, London Nationals in action. London Lightning are on the road tonight. Lots of things happening. Plus, we happen to have Grand Bend and South Huron looking at something that London is looking at. And there's been a lot of talk about lease agreements and spots for a potential casino in London, courtesy of Gateway Casinos. Joining us right now is Dan Best, who is the Chief Administrative Officer in South Huron. Dan, it seems that every time you turn your head, you hear that word, casino, 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 casino. How loud is that word ringing around in your area? Well, uh, Mike, uh, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today. And uh, currently, we're in the very early stages. So um, we were looking at some of the uh, situation and issues that were taking place down in London uh, with respect to gateway casinos. And then we just looked at would there be an opportunity for the municipality to consider such uh, such a venture. So we started to have some preliminary uh, discussions. And at uh, a council meeting, we put forth the idea of pursuing uh, such an opportunity that would have a benefit not only to uh, South Huron community but also to the entire region that would include uh, uh, Lambton Shores uh, and the balance of Huron County. So uh, Council unanimously gave staff the opportunity to move forward directly with uh, OLG and with the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation and Gateway Casinos. And uh, we're now just exploring those opportunities now. Uh, subsequently, at the last meeting, uh, we proposed a specific site that would be located uh, at our uh, Dark Horse wine, Estates Winery and where the Huron Country Playhouse is. So what we would be looking at is a whole destination casino that has the winery, has uh, Drayton Entertainment that provides world-class theatre, um, 
obviously uh, a gaming facility, restaurants, and potentially hotels. So that's the that's the vision for that area, and then the location in proximity to uh, Grand Bend on Ontario's west coast. Uh, it's uh, just a great opportunity. Chief Administrative Officer for South Huron, Dan Best, with us on London Live. The attraction of having a a casino-style gaming facility, as it's been described in some of the council notes, what is that for an area? So for us, it would be to have the uh, the full experience. So again, when we talk about uh, the location where Dark Horse Estates Winery is and the Huron Country Playhouse, now it would be adding on those features of the gaming tables, uh, the slot machines, uh, restaurants, and live entertainment. So uh, basically, it's a de- would be looking at a destination location where somebody could come in on a Friday, park the car, and, sp- and spend the weekend there and enjoy all the, uh, all the opportunities that this area has to avail to uh, individuals. When you look at that tourism that exists for your area, how much focus is there on kind of telling people, hey, guess where you can come? That that will be uh, a key driver, Mike. Uh, you know, right now there's that historic uh, historic feel with respect to Grand Bend, and we're using that as as a driver to enhance uh, the opportunities for the visitor experience. So, right now we would be seen more as a uh, you know summer destination. We're looking at providing the opportunity to have a year-round destination and just maximize. Uh, maximize visitors coming to the area and also creating employment opportunities for uh, for uh, our individuals. So uh, again, uh, focusing on that opportunity to come, come play for a day and maybe come back and stay for a lifetime. I guess finally, you mentioned that the go-ahead is there. What's next in this? Uh, so our our next steps uh, moving forward is to look at any potential barriers that might exist and uh, eliminate uh, eliminate those as we move forward. In essence, basically get uh, get uh, the environment to the point where we have a uh, a shovel ready shovel ready site that would be made available to uh, gateway casinos. Uh, there's also the required uh, process that we need to go through on the uh, public meetings and engaging the public if we're moving forward. Uh, uh, and more importantly, uh, I know that it's the reaching out to our neighboring municipalities, such as our partners over at Lambton Shores and other municipalities, uh, continuing to reach out to our uh, upper levels of government for uh, support. Uh, and assistance in terms of uh, directions moving forward and ongoing uh, ongoing discussions with uh, with gateway uh, we're still as I said earlier in the early days and want to emphasize those early days and that uh, we're just trying to put forward a business case that that makes it pretty hard to say no Dan thanks so much for updating on this great thank you Mike Dan Best, Chief Administrative Officer in South Huron. So they're looking to create that same 
entertainment area, with a winery, with a stage, with gaming-type operations. And they will be looking at exploring that going forward with OLG and with Gateway. In London, we do have confirmation of the lease at Warncliffe and Wonderland for Gateway Casinos, and that's where they would put their casino operation in this city. So that's another step forward in terms of more gaming and more entertainment in the city of London. Coming up, we are going to be talking about something that should have been entertaining. It just should have been entertaining. That's it. If you are a sports parent, you know what the best thing you can do is? You can live by a very wise basketball coach's recommendation. He says, this is the only thing you should do when talking with your son or your daughter about their sport during the sports season. You say, I really like watching you play, son, or I really like watching you play, daughter. That's it. Those are the only words that you should share. It's the only thing that you should say. You should not yell at the referee. You should not question what the coach does, even if it gets out of hand. If things are so bad, well, then get a bunch of parents together and talk with the rep agency. Just talk with the president. Talk with the association. You know, there's too many parents who think they know too much, who think it's easy. And we had a wee disagreement over who knows what that set things off between parents from Paris and parents from Simcoe. And we heard the word brawl used. Well, in just a few minutes, we're going to get you a little bit of feedback on what took place. These two teams are going to meet again. And then we'll talk with somebody who deals very closely with parents behaving badly at sporting events for kids. That's still to come on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We want the best for our kids. Guaranteed. No questions asked. You wouldn't be a good parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle if you didn't. But sometimes we put on the... Me-colored glasses. I don't know what color that is. Maybe a parakeet can see it. But it's the me-colored glasses that cause us problems. Because we can't see out of our own sphere of vision. And because of that, we might misinterpret something. See it as a slight against our kids. We want to protect our kids. Temperatures rise and tempers flare. And next thing you know... You've got a whole scale something or other. And that's the question of what do we have between Simcoe and Paris and their peewee minor hockey teams? What do we have? It's been described as a brawl. It's been described as something, well, not quite a brawl. This morning, 980 CFPL News was able to speak with Marty Jefferson, who's the president of Simcoe Minor Hockey. And here is what Marty Jefferson told 980 CFPL News. There was certainly a verbal exchange that started in the, in the stands and continued in the lobby, um, but there are no reports of any sort of physical violence, uh, any, any fighting uh, other than uh, verbal jabs back and forth. And uh, in, in reality, it, was, it, it appears that it was less than, uh, you know, three or four people participating um, rather than the 30 that were actually there. Uh, I've spoken to uh, arena staff, 
um, that were on site in the lobby. I've spoken to parents that were there at the game, and I've spoken to others that, that were there just because they enjoy to watch rep hockey. Um, Sunday is our rep hockey day, um, you know, that starts somewhere around noontime and usually ends around 9 o'clock at night. So there are a lot of other parents, uh, you know, unrelated to the actual game that was going on that, that were in attendance. Um, so from, from our perspective, it was, a, it was an incident between parents. Um, it was a very short, short-lived incident that didn't escalate into uh, any, anything further. Um, somebody did call the police. Um, you know, obviously the police showed up with six or seven cruisers, um, expecting the worst. I don't know what was relayed to them by the, uh, by the caller that, that brought them to the, the arena. Um, and at this point, the, uh, you know, uh, our parents have been spoken to, you know, about, you know, appropriate behavior at the, at the arena. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't tolerate verbal abuse and, and verbal altercations and things like that. And I've uh, I, I've had heard from Simco from uh, from the Paris president as well. You know the account from their parents is very similar to the account from from uh, from our our investigation as well. Um, it's of course got picked up by media outlets everywhere as a brawl, uh, but there doesn't appear to be any evidence of any physicality at all um, at, at the arena itself. It was merely a a verbal a verbal altercation that started in the fans and continued in the lobby. Uh, fizzled out very quickly, and the parents went their separate ways. Yeah, I think uh, brawl was a term that the the OPP used, but as you mentioned, it's uh, sort of a, an inaccurate term to use in this case. Uh, I would I would say that based on on eyewitness accounts, there doesn't appear to be any evidence of a brawl or any or anybody uh, having any physical altercation with each other. Um, they all sort of echo the same uh, the same message. It was a it was a, a small group of parents. That were uh, throwing jabs back and forth in the lobby, um, and that's where it, that's where it finished. So that is from our 980 CFPL newsroom. You heard the voice of Jake Jeffrey talking with Marty Jefferson, president of Simcoe Minor Hockey. So that's good. I mean, somebody called the police and must have said, "Uh oh, you better get over here," because it's kind of rare that you would see six or seven police cruisers dispatched to a location, don't you think? But hey. All accounts say it wasn't as big as it was made out to be. Let's hope that all of that is very accurate. But it doesn't stop the fact that something like that started. And it doesn't stop the fact that something like that could have escalated further. It also doesn't stop the fact that we don't keep score in soccer anymore. Know why that is? Well, part of it's because of the way that parents have handled themselves in games. You've seen videos of soccer referees being accosted. I've seen videos of soccer referees being accosted. Somebody has decided, you know what, we're not going to make it a hardcore tournament, head-to-head, hot in the sunshine. We're going to have festivals. I don't want to talk about that right now. I hate the idea of festivals. I think it's silly. But I also think people should be able to behave themselves on a sideline. And if you confront a coach or you confront a referee, you've got a problem. There's a reason why dugouts in some American cities, are actually dug out so that the only thing that sticks up and can see the game is a parent's head because they would get right behind an umpire who might be 12 years old. In a moment, we'll talk with someone who has been doing something about this, who has been offering up an avenue 
for others to do something about this kind of behavior. Brian Barlow from Offside, next on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. In about a half hour from now, Johnny Van Zant, lead singer of Leonard Skinner, joins us on London Live. Right now, we want to talk about parents and their behavior at sporting events with a man who has helped us understand some of the things that go on. Thanks to the magic of social media, thanks to capturing a video, please welcome Brian Barlow from Offside to London Live. Brian, how are you doing? Dude, I'm super good. Listen, I'm in Orlando, Florida right now. It's 82 degrees. The sun is out. I'm poolside. I couldn't. There's not a parent or a kid around me, so I'm in pretty good shape right now. <laughs> Definitely. And you, you know what? You must be looking at our weather here because right now, let me look out the window. I'm seeing trees covered in ice. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up. I thought, man, I, I looked at your weather earlier this morning. I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least dig you a little bit. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we'll bask in your sunshine. I can almost hear the sunshine from where you are right now. And you mentioned no sport parents, no kids in the neighborhood. Oh, that must, that must be relaxing for you. You know, as a referee, um, I, I love what I do. I, I love being a, a high-level soccer referee. But in the same sense, man, whenever, uh, you know, w- once I do five, six, seven games in a five, six, seven, seven-day stretch, uh, my, my irritation gets really, really high. It just, you know, some of the things that these people say on the side of the pitch, man, they just, they have no clue. Your kids don't want to hear it. The referees don't want to hear it. The coaches don't want to hear you say it. And it just, it just adds a bunch of toxic to the game and and you know it just gets aggravating because i would say 90 98 percent of the time the stuff that you say as a parent is inaccurate <laughs> it's negative it's toxic and it does nothing for the game the game is supposed to be about development and sportsmanship and learning how to teach sally and sammy how to get back up when they get knocked down how to how to lose with integrity and you know what we take all that away because we're so entitled as parents we pay that money for the registration. We pay that coach, in some cases, to teach our children. And by God, we want a victory. How sick is that? We're talking with Brian Barlow. We talked with Brian a few months ago, and Offside was really gaining some traction. For anybody who's never been there, tell us a little bit more about Offside. So it's, it's, it's funny you mention that. So Offside's going through a little bit of a transition. We had a huge year this past year. Obviously, there was a ton of publicity early in summer in New York Times, USA Today, Forbes Magazine, every major network and, and, and cable channel there, there, there is. I mean, it wore me out, but happy to do it because it's a cause worthy of fighting for. Here's the deal. The offside page on Facebook, um, we, we're transitioning it to where it's, it's pretty much going to be all video. We're basically asking people to be what we call cheeseburger chasers. And what is a cheeseburger? Well, the cheeseburger are those, it's those 2 to 3% of parents out there that lose their marbles at a youth sporting event, that make it all about them, that yell and scream at their kids, that yell and scream at the ref, that yell and scream at the coach, yell and scream at the other team's parents. Those are what we call cheeseburgers. Why do we call them cheeseburgers? Because they're usually the people that are on the sidelines that probably couldn't run a 100-yard dash if you gave them 40 minutes and a bottle of oxygen at the end of it. They probably couldn't do it. So instead of calling them you know, an absurd name, which I probably shouldn't repeat on radio, we simply call them cheeseburgers. So... We're asking people to be, be cheeseburger chasers. We're asking them to, uh, instead of just watching this stuff happen, which it happens a lot every weekend, almost every youth sporting event, these people lose control. We're asking people to, to videotape it. I First off, ask them, hey, chill out. This is a kid's game. 
you're being ridiculous. Can you please stop? And if that doesn't happen, start documenting them. Because you know what happens when you document them? Well, they chill out because they don't want to be on video. If you send the video to me, though, let's say you do document, you send the video to us, and we post it on the offside page, um, it, it, could be, it could be paid upwards of $250 for a video, depending on how many views that it gets. So that's, that's where we are as offsides. It's strictly, uh, it's, it's got some controversial stuff on there, but it's very video driven. We're, we're basically trying to shame people into not being a cheeseburger at youth sporting events. We're talking with Brian Barlow from Offside, and at the end we'll tell you how you can send in a video if you happen to have one. But, Brian, in having as much attention drawn to this as you did, you mentioned it, USA Today, there wasn't a a television morning show in the U.S. that you didn't seem to be on. You've done countless radio interviews. Has anything changed? No. (laughs) You know, I've I've had – I've actually had to – I've had to kind of refocus my, you know, I, I own several companies. I, I'm a motivational speaker, and um, I, I've had to refocus some of my time uh, because this has turned into quite the venture within itself. And, in fact, they, they tell people, you know, I tell people all the time, turn your passion into your paycheck. Well, guess what? I, you know, I accidentally did that. That wasn't the intent, but uh, I now speak at a lot of youth, or, youth, or, youth organizations, a lot of youth conferences, a lot of sports conferences, and, and I feel, I still feel anywhere from 15 to probably 20 media requests a week and you know but it's a role I, i'll happily take I, I know i have a passion for it i'm obviously a referee i've, I've witnessed and i've encountered it and and uh, so you know what no one else is fighting this fight uh, i'm made for it i'm built for it uh, i'm not looking for anyone's approval i'm not looking for anyone's opinion but i am looking for their attention and that's what we're doing all right brian before we let you go if somebody did have a video they wanted to send to you how do they get it to you yeah, just all they do, you know, private message me on Facebook through the offside page. Just private message me, say, hey, I've got a video I want you to look at. If we like it, um, we'll, there's, a, there's a minimum that we give you. We give you $50 if we post it. And then based on how many uh, uh, likes or not likes, but how many views it gets, uh, determines how much more money you get. And then I'm, I'm super excited. I'm also launching uh, a Facebook page. It's the first private Facebook page from, from offside. It's called Beach Trigger Unanimous. Unanimous. And the whole focus of Beach Trigger, which, by the way, Beach Trigger is opposite of Cheeseburger, it's people that are devoted into developing better sportsmanship for the teams, making better youth clubs, and, and making better referees. Because here's the deal. I, I understand there's two sides of the story. I know people get aggravated because referees uh, sometimes don't have their head in the game a lot of times. So we're actually focusing on that page on how to, be, how to be a better referee, how to be better sportsmanship as coaches, as clubs, and how to be better parents and help your kids. Uh, actually involve, uh, get, enjoy, and, uh, and develop in youth sports. It's called Beast Trigger Unanimous, and we're getting ready to launch that in about seven days. Brian, keep up the good work. Appreciate you guys. Hey, I'm going to go back to the sun and the, and the, uh, and the 78 degree temperature, all right? I'm going to keep looking at the ice on this tree outside my window. Is that okay? <laughs> See you Want guys. trade? Take care. Nope. All right. No no trading here. Have a good one. Enjoy the enjoy the cold weather. Enjoy the 80 degrees. That is Brian Barlow from Offside. It's a Facebook page. Check it out. Offside, and it's got a little red circle. It's very easy to find. It'll pop up right away because it gets visited a lot. Next, we'll find out how the ice is doing, not on the trees, but on the road. John Parsons from the City of London is going to join us on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Boy, 
80 degrees Fahrenheit, Floridian sunshine. I bet you there's orange juice nearby, too. That was our last guest, Brian Barlow. Now we get an opportunity to talk with a man who I'm sure would love orange juice and 80-degree sunshine, but in reality, he's the guy coordinating getting the streets safe around here. Once again, can we have another hand for all of our city workers who have made that happen today? This wasn't fun. Joining us right now, Director of Roads and Transportation with the City of London, John Parsons. John, uh, uh, can you take a deep breath? Can we give you three minutes to pause here on London Live? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a few deep breaths today, so thank, thanks for having me on. Well, what was this morning like? Uh, this morning was a difficult uh, drive for uh, the motors, for sure. I mean, uh, with that uh, uh, ice pellets and freezing rain, uh, it made traveling uh, quite treacherous. Um, we're starting to see some uh, some improvements on our main roads, um, but, you know, temperatures are going to dip down again, so... Uh, and the system is still lingering. Oh, good. Lingering systems. Don't we all love those? They come and they sit over top of us. What do we know about the drive home, then? Uh, the drive home, uh, you're going to be experiencing, uh, drivers will be experiencing slushy conditions. There's still slippery conditions out there on our local streets, uh, sidewalks as well. Uh, we do have crews out. We have our, our salt trucks out running, and we have all our sidewalk machines putting down sand. We have staff um, applying sand at bus stops and um, pedestrian crosswalks, and, uh, you know, we're just going to keep at it uh, as the system uh, hangs around. We're talking with John Parsons, Director of Roads and Transportation with the City of London. How do you go at something like this when it starts at 4 in the morning and really comes in with a whole lot of ice and horrible road conditions? Well, uh, yeah, we certainly were looking at the radar and the weather as it was coming in, and we uh, had a chance to do some pre-treatment of uh, bridges, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, as early as two o'clock this morning. Uh, so as we, you know, uh, as the system moved in, that, uh, agent started to, to, to work to, uh, to help, uh, break through the ice pack. Um, we are finding that some of the conditions are starting to, to refreeze. And that's why we always caution drivers, if you're out, to be careful and drive to the conditions. But, uh, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now, Mike. So slushy drive home, but in terms of what the, the radar is showing, it shouldn't necessarily be an icy drive home. Uh, there will be there are still going to be icy patches uh, on your local street uh, on some of the sidewalks, um, and that's one of the big reasons why uh, schools were canceled today. So uh, just because uh, you have to watch out for those conditions, you know, if you don't need to be out, I, I wouldn't go out and uh, postpone any non-essential travel until conditions improve. Uh, that would be my advice. We always hear about subdivisions and things like that. In a case like this, do we have enough sand and/or salt to do subdivisions? Oh yes. Yes, we have enough uh, salt and sand in our inventory uh, to, to treat the system and, uh, and the conditions that are going to come with it tomorrow morning as the temperatures, uh, well, actually, we're sitting at zero now. Uh, we're going to hit minus one through this evening, and then it'll warm up a little bit tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, we have enough material to, to handle this. Overall, I mean, we didn't get a lot of snow until January. Uh, how are things looking in the overall picture? Oh, in the overall picture, yeah, we, uh, you know, we didn't get anything in and around December or over the break. Uh, January's, uh, was pretty mild until the end, uh, around January 10th and 28th, we started to see a few storms. But, uh, you know, this, this type of system makes up for it. No doubt. Well, again, thank your crews for us because they've been doing an admirable job. A lot of them probably got a pretty early wake up call, didn't they? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, be careful on your way home. Thanks, John. All right. Goodbye.
John Parsons, Director of Roads and Transportation with the City of London. So, yeah, the temperature will dip down a little bit. John Wilson will be monitoring that throughout the afternoon, as will our 980 CFPL newsroom. So we'll have any changes to the forecast for you as they come in. But if you don't have to go anywhere, it's one of those days. And, again... We're the ones who sit here and say, you don't have to go anywhere. Don't stay off the roads. But don't worry. We'll be here talking into these microphones, telling you exactly how treacherous or not treacherous it can get. We've already emailed Brian to see if he can at least uh, courier some sunshine to us. At least we could have a pocket. What do you think? Where would you put the sunshine? Maybe uh, Wellington and Commissioners? Would that be a good spot if we could have a nice pocket of Floridian sunshine right about there? In a moment, we'll talk with another guy who knows a lot about Floridian sunshine. He's from Jacksonville, and he'll be coming to London, but not until March. Johnny Van Zant, now the lead singer of Leonard Skinner, will join us on London Live. After news with Jacqueline LaBelle on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. As John Parsons says, please take it easy on the drive home. Crews are out. They do have enough salt and other substances for neighborhoods. They will be getting to your street at some point, but it has been a load to deal with after a whole lot of freezing rain. Again, we'll have updates throughout the afternoon. Coming up in a little over a half hour from now, Scott McDonald is going to join us in studio. And if you don't know Scott McDonald already, get ready to. You know the name Glenn Howard. Russ Howard, right? You know what they do. What do they do? Amazing curlers. Scott McDonald is a Londoner, plied his trade at the Highland, and now he is going to represent Ontario at the Briar, Ontario Men's Curling Champion. He'll drop by and we'll talk some curling and I don't know, what has led to this? Because this is not something you wake up one day and do. Getting to the briar, I don't know if you've seen this. It's kind of like European soccer when you look at the FA Cup and making it through. You have to go through all kinds of different levels. This is a long road. And not only has Scott made it through the road, at the end of it, he was the only one left on the road. You own the road. And now that road takes him to the Briar. So he's going to stop by in studio in about 32 minutes from now. We are also going to talk about an opportunity for you to help some kids who might not otherwise be able to go and see a game at Budweiser Gardens featuring the London Knights and whoever they happen to be playing that night. You can help them go and do that. And these are kids that this may be the only time in their lives they get to do this. Dr. Peter Lemon is going to join us. He's also the head coach of the Mustang women's softball team, and he's coming up in about 10 minutes. But right now, we are very excited to be able to talk to a man who I don't think is dealing with a whole lot of ice and snow, but he is looking at a concert date at Budweiser Gardens on March the 5th as part of the last of the Street Survivors Farewell Tour. Johnny Van Zant has grown up around music. When you've got one brother who creates 38 Special, you've got another brother who creates Leonard Skinnerd and songs that live on forever. You walk into anything from a mall to a dentist's office to a sporting event to who knows, maybe you're just walking down the street and you run into music that was made by Leonard Skinnerd. 
whether it's Freebird, whether it's Sweet Home Alabama, it's pretty amazing to be able to speak with the man who right now fronts Leonard Skinner, Johnny Van Zandt. Johnny, welcome to London Live. Growing up in Florida, I'm going to guess that you never had to deal with what we're dealing with today. That that's a big old snow day. No, we never had a snow day. <laughs> Not even one. We had hurricane days. We had hurricane days. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I'm not sure which one is worse. What's a hurricane day like? Uh, that's well. Actually, it'd be more than a day. It'd be a few days. That's for sure. Uh, they shut everything down. Just like you know, I've been up north whenever they've had. A lot of snow and and, and places, and uh, you know it's kind of the same thing. They shut down all the schools. No, no kids going to schools, and you know it was kind of weird to be honest. I live in Jacksonville, and in 1990 we had a snowstorm here. It was crazy, and it shut the whole town down because we are connected by bridges. You know, St. John's River runs through downtown. Anywhere you go, there's bridges, and all the bridges iced over, and uh, nobody could go anywhere, you know, and it just, it was a freak snowstorm. So, uh, you know, hey, we all have stuff to deal with wise weather, you know. (laughs) Well, I can't promise that Canada in early March, as you come through your tour, uh, is going to be completely sunny and, you know, 80 degrees Fahrenheit. I I can't promise that, but we'll do what we can, okay? (laughs) Okay, man, I appreciate it. What has the tour... Hey, we'll handle it. We'll, we'll go anywhere. We've been looking forward to coming to Canada. Well... And, uh, you know, so so we're looking forward to it. We, we're up for the task. What's the tour been like? Because this is something that, that would seem to have a lot of mixed feelings. I mean, the, the Street Survivors Farewell Tour. How's it been? You know, we started last May, and when we started this, we said we want to go everywhere that we haven't been and places that we have been. And uh, we hit a lot of places in 2018, but we still have a lot of places to go to. And, and it's been mixed, you know what I mean? Whenever you think of, you know, last time playing a city or a venue and you go, wow, this, you know, especially standing up on stage, you know, you go, you know, a lot of thoughts go through your head. But you know what? The music will live on. You know what I mean? This This music is like, you know, the Beatles or... The Stones or, you know, hey, Elvis even as much, you know what I mean? The music of Leonard Skinner will live on a lot longer than we will, you know. So there will be people listening to the music and carrying on the name of Leonard Skinner and loving what the guy, you know, my brother Ronnie and Alan and Gary and all the guys started, you know, years ago. So this year makes 32 years with me being in Leonard Skinner. Uh, seems like 32 minutes. Take us back to the decision to... To do that, for you to to step right up there on stage in front of that microphone in 1987 and and get this going again. Well, you know, I hear people talking about panic attacks and anxiety <laughs> all the time. I said I had it, I had them all <laughs> at once, you know. And uh, you know, it was a very difficult uh, decision to make, man. You know, I I. Uh, Went and talked to my parents. I talked to my sister, my brother Donnie from Thirty Eight Special, and you know. And then we said, "Let's get together and rehearse." And we got together and rehearsed, and it was just such a great thing to uh, to see the guys who survived the plane crash. You know, unfortunately, my brother passed away that day, but I know if he would have lived, he would have wanted Leonard Skinner to go on. You know, and 
and uh, you know, so it it was it was a hard decision. But I didn't really know if I really wanted to be a part of it until we got on stage and seen the joy that you know the music brings to the fans and and uh, you know it's it's, a, it's still an amazing thing to me every night. It really is. We're talking with Johnny Van Zant of Leonard Skinner. They will be at Budweiser Gardens March 5th when we're promising Johnny right now. Get those hair dryers going, turn on a block heater, whatever it takes. We're promising him a little bit better weather than what we had today. March 5th at 7.30 at Budweiser Gardens. Johnny, in terms of that music living on, like you talked about, you grew up and you've got brothers who are starting such iconic bands. Leonard Skinner, 38 Special, you're around that music. Did you was it possible even to appreciate that kind of music and and what it was going to be like while it was being made? Yeah, I don't think any of us knew how big it was going to get. You know what I mean? It was just always around. It was more of hey, you know, I think if you ask any musician, they they don't start out thinking they're going to make something big. You know, they go, okay, well, we're going to play music for the love of music, and then. All of a sudden, something may happen for them, you know. But, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where I don't think even my brother, I mean, heck, I, I know he's still here in spirit, but, heck, if he could come back and just see how many people have loved the song Sweet Home and Simple Man and all these great songs that he wrote, you know, doing his short life, I think he would probably just be totally amazed. And, and it amazes me. It amazes Gary Rosington, you know, it, you know, uh, he's been here from the beginning, you know, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy when you think about it. And maybe when we are totally retired, we'll sit back and have a big, nice cigar and a beer or something or a glass of whiskey and say, wow, that was something else. <laughs> you you really can't go to a football game or a baseball game or for us a hockey game without having Sweet Home play or without having Freebird play. You're a big football fan. What's it like to be in a stadium with 80,000 people and that song comes on? Uh, well, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's Hey, we played it at stadiums like that, you know, I was looking at the halftime show for the Super Bowl, and I was like, you know, I think Sweet Home would have probably been a good one there, too. <laughs> you know, Maroon 5 did it this year, and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the NFL will offer us a gig, you know, for the next one. But uh, it, it is. You know what? It's, it's crazy. I was just watching a YouTube video. I guess Metallica played down in Alabama, and they started jamming on Sweet Home down there. And, and uh, you know, those guys – you know, it's simple, man. Or Tuesday's Gone, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that other artists like that, you know, we're doing this thing this summer in France, and it's called Hellfest, and it's with all these heavy metal bands. And, and uh, you know, Skitter Music fits in that genre, too, you know. And then we come back here to the States, and we play with country artists. Like, we just got to doing a thing with Jason Aldean, and, you know, we've done those kind of things, and, the music fits in there, so it's kind of just universal. It really is. Johnny Van Zandt of Leonard Skinner joining us. One final thing, Johnny, before we let you go, and we'll see you again March 5th at Budweiser Gardens. When you're <laughs> with a guy like Jason Aldean, whose career is still pretty young, do you wish you were still in his shoes, or do you like where you are now? No, uh, I wouldn't. I, you know what? I, I can't say. I mean, he's doing really well, and I'm proud of him. You know, he's a good Georgia boy, and, uh, uh, you know, but. Hey, it's a it's a long road, you know. So I'm I'm looking for a little bit of time off. I'm actually 
got a few things on my bucket list that I want to do, you know, recording-wise. And and uh, so, you know, I wish Jason best of luck in this business. You know, it's 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 a lot of road work. <laughs> well, we'll clear those roads for you right now, Johnny. Thanks so much for the time today. Great talking to you. You still a Jags fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to stick with him. <laughs> Doug, the coach, is a good friend of mine, so I'm I'm sticking with him and Tom Kaufman. I think they got a good organization. I really don't know what happened to the Jags. They actually started off really well this past year, and uh, they had a lot of injuries. I do know that. And uh, hell, I think their last game they only had like once two starters. You know, that was in in, in their last game. So you know what? Hey, I'm a Jag fan. I, I got to stick with hometown. You know how that goes. Hey, thanks so much for all the time, Johnny. All the best. No problem, brother. God bless. Bye-bye. Johnny Van Zant, lead singer of Leonard Skinner. They will be at Budweiser Gardens on March 5th at 7.30, and they will be playing everything you want them to play. This is a band that I don't think enough people truly appreciate the story behind it. You know, every year you kind of get reminded of Richie Valens and the Big Bopper and... That story and the fact that American Pie from Don McLean encapsulates that plane crash the day the music died. But Leonard Skinner went through a plane crash in 1977 that wound up killing Johnny's brother, uh, wound up killing other band members, and the band went on hiatus. There wasn't a band to have anymore. And for 10 years, it was completely quiet. And then, as Johnny outlined, talked to his parents, talked to some other people, and they wound up recreating the band with Gary Rossington, who had survived the crash, Billy Powell, who had survived the crash. They brought along another guitarist uh, who had been with the band before that plane crash, and they got it going again. And they've been through some other band member changes, but this is the last of the Street Survivors Farewell Tour. And they're doing an entire Canadian stretch that will start in Ottawa and head out west, but they'll be in London on March the 5th. We will return in a moment with how you can not necessarily go to Budweiser Gardens, although you're welcome to, but you can help to send someone to Budweiser Gardens to see a hockey game who might not otherwise go there ever. Those details are next on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Just got a call from John during the commercial break, and he said he used to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He says to see Leonard Skinner in the American South is an experience, but he's seen them a couple of times here, and he says this is one of those concerts you absolutely have to go to. So... Let me say the date again, March 5th, 7.30, Budweiser Gardens. Thanks again to Johnny Van Zant for all of his time. And again, this should be the last tour. I mean, you never want to say never anymore. There are bands, there are artists who say, yeah, let's not do that anymore. Let's do it one final time. And then they say, you know, that was a lot of fun. We should do that again. Last of the Street Survivors Farewell Tour, March 5th. At Budweiser Gardens. Coming up a whole lot sooner than that at Budweiser Gardens is an opportunity for a whole lot of kids in this area 
to go and see a London Knights game. And this is something that is done each and every year in conjunction with the Western Mustang women's softball team. Joining us is the head coach of that team, Dr. Peter Lemon. Dr. Lemon, how are things? Just great, Mike. How are you? Good, good. We need some softball. We that's I'm I think, you know, the the snow kind of melted away. You can almost see a ball diamond. <laughs> that's right. It's uh it's great to start thinking about spring and uh and ball again. Of course, we're working out uh, you know, indoors and we get a little antsy uh to get outdoors. Hopefully, it'll warm up soon. Well, you also have a project that continues on basically throughout the year, and this is something that has grown really large, and it's in combination with the London Knights, and it helps out all kinds of kids who may never otherwise get to a London Knights game. Take us back to when this all began. Well, it actually started uh, six years ago, and uh, we had about 75 kids that we wanted to get to a Knights game, um, and we asked the community to buy some tickets so we could do that, and the Knights provided us with the tickets, and um, it's expanded now to about 500 kids, and uh, we've got all kinds of pregame activities that the Knights provide for the kids. Uh, we've got um, Domino's Pizza and the Middlesex um Dairy producers involved to provide a snack for the kids. They get to tour the dressing room. They get to sit in the penalty box. One of them wins an autographed jersey by the night. So it just each year it gets a little bit bigger. And but the main thing is just the the fun that the kids have. Um, these are all kids from area service groups like the Big Brothers and Big Sisters, or Boys and Girls Club, Boy Scouts. Um, so they're they're kids who wouldn't get to go otherwise, and and that's what makes it so much fun. So you've gone from 75 up to 500. You've gone from one game now to two games. This is growing bigger, and if someone is just hearing about it for the first time, they still have an opportunity to help out in this way. You talk about buying a ticket. How does this actually work? Well, we have a, a website where they can go to and just uh, purchase a ticket with a credit card. Uh, $25 will get another child to the game. And as I mentioned to you before, we have about 40 tickets left for the February 15th game. So if somebody wanted to buy a ticket or a couple of tickets and we could get those 40 sold, that'd be perfect. Probably the easiest way to do this is if you just go onto Google and put uh, sticks and bats, comma, Western softball. It'll take you right to the website where you can put your credit card information in there and buy a ticket or buy five tickets or whatever whatever you can afford. And you're helping kids to get to the game on the 15th of February and take part in a pretty unique experience. That's for sure. Uh, I sat beside uh, a nine-year-old at the game a couple of weeks ago, and he was so excited to be at a game because he'd never been before, but he's a big Knights fan. And then he said, and you know, this game is free. I didn't have to pay for the ticket. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot of fun um, to see the smiles on their faces and uh uh, even the uh, you know the Knights mascot gets into it, and you know the kids just love them, and so it's 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 a real fun day for everybody. We're talking with Dr. Peter Lemon, who is the head coach of Western's women's softball team, and we're talking about an initiative that started six years ago and is growing absolutely huge. And again, all you have to do, best thing to do, is to Google Sticks and Bats Mustang Softball, and you will be taken right to that website if you would like to buy a ticket for a child in this area that will then get to go to the game on the 15th. 
if we're talking softball for just a couple of minutes, you guys have had some fantastic success. How do you put your program into perspective in terms of what you've been able to do in that regard? Well, it's it's really a, a passion of mine. I mean, I love working with athletes. I had a great experience myself as a university athlete, and the success on the diamond is sort of secondary to the success that these young women have um, when they graduate, the jobs that they get. Um, we're really trying to build community leaders through through softball. And we've we've expanded this in recent years to our youth camps. Uh, we have a lot of eight to ten year old girls who are already planning on being Mustang athletes because of the interactions they have with our current student athletes. So it's it's an awesome experience, and there's no real secret. We we work hard, we concentrate on the fundamentals, and we we end up executing uh, pretty well because of that that preparation. And so we've had a, a string of uh, of good years. Well, another one will be here sooner instead of later because uh, the groundhog said that spring is right around the corner. We, we've got to take the groundhog at their word, but even before then, February 15th, you can help someone who doesn't normally get to a night's game, to beat a night's game, to tour the dressing room, to sit in the penalty box, to meet Scorsese, all of those things. Just Google Sticks and Bats Mustang Softball, and it really does take you right to that website. The website is one that has a, a bit of a longer address to it. So Sticks and Bats Mustang Softball, Google that, click on it. Dr. Lemon, thank you for everything you do. Well, thanks, Mike. We really appreciate your assistance. Dr. Peter Lemon. Head coach of the Mustang softball team. News is coming up next with Jacqueline LaBelle. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Wild story coming in from Scotland. You've got to head to 980cfpl.ca and check this out or globalnews.ca. It's all about a man who had moved off the grid years ago in the Scottish Highlands, and he's been living just fine. He's now in his mid-70s. Everything had been going fine for him. Off the grid, not connected, not worried about hitting deadlines, living in the Scottish Highlands, so pretty beautiful. All of a sudden, he falls ill, and that's when things went bad because living off the grid, not connected to anything, no cell phone, he had no way to tell anybody. I mean, it's easy to think... Well, you should have predicted that. Should have had a way to keep in touch. Well, he didn't. But he did have a way to create an SOS signal. And it was picked up, not in Scotland, not anywhere in the UK, but by the International Emergency Response Coordination Center in Houston, Texas. And they were able to relay that info and they were able to get to the man, and they have now rescued him. Now, his cabin was in such a difficult spot to reach that they couldn't winch close enough to it, so they had to kind of change things around. He was eventually placed on a stretcher, airlifted out of the woods, taken to a hospital, and an SOS, old-fashioned, SOS signal. This was not a text. was not a tweet. I'm sending a tweet. This was an SOS signal. 
and it was heard in Texas and relayed back to Scotland. In a moment, we are going to talk not with Scotland, but with Scott. Scott McDonald is going to join us in the studio. He is becoming a household name, has been in the curling world for a while, but get ready. The London native that is Scott McDonald is set to represent Ontario as the Ontario men's curling champion at the Briar. And you're going to want to watch every second. He joins us in a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It is a perfect day for ice. You know what else it's a perfect day for? Pebbly ice. Because out there on the ground, this is not smooth sheets of stuff. We didn't get that this morning. The freezing rain, the freezing rain is almost like a curler's dream. It makes that perfect pebbled, no it doesn't, but it gives you an idea. If you want to look for a bright spot on your way home, if you have have a curling rock in the basement, maybe slide that down the street a little later on if we get more of that stuff. We'll keep tabs on it for you. It's supposed to be a slushy drive home, not so much a frozen and slippery drive home, but there will be some slippery sections still on city streets and on roadways, so watch out for that. In the meantime, let's just talk about pebbled ice. Let's just talk about the accomplishment and the achievement of a certain rink skipped by a Londoner that is going to represent this entire province, well, the the southern part of the entire province. We're so big. We have northern Ontario, and we have Ontario at the Briar, and the Ontario men's curling champion of 2019, Scott McDonald, joins us in studio. Scott, congratulations. Thanks very much, Mike. Well, it is great to have you here. I can't imagine what the last couple of days have been like, but I'm sure they've been uh, slightly jam-packed. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, since we were crowned the champions on Sunday afternoon, it's been go, go, go. Uh, hearing from a number of our friends and family and and the media, uh, we've got a lot of attention throughout the province. Let's go through what it takes to become Ontario men's curling champion. When people talk about things being more like a marathon than a sprint, is this like an ultra marathon? Is this like a 100K race? Oh, even more than that. <laughs> I mean, it's been a lot of work. Uh, from August till Christmas, I was on the road for 14 weeks between tournaments and practices uh, and meeting with a, a bunch of different people to help us get to where we wanted to go. Uh, it's been a total grind, but it's been so worth it. So, 12 years ago, you graduated from junior? Yep. So, I'm, I'm 32 now. I got out of juniors in 20, and since then, the goal was to get to the Briar. Uh, we haven't played to this extent uh, previous to this year, but we put in a lot of work to get there this year. We, we knew what it would take, and we, we positioned ourselves well. Well, you mentioned 14 weeks, meeting with all kinds of different people. How different was your approach this year to one of the 11 years leading up to this one? Uh, it was very much of a business approach. We... Um, we put a lot of weeks in. We we met on the warm side of the glass. So we before we curling ice was even in in August September, um, we were thinking about it. We were planning what exactly we had to do throughout the fall season to get to the Briar. And you didn't know if it was going to happen. We we certainly put the work in, and it might not happen. It might, but we wanted to make sure that we get, at least gave ourselves a chance. So once things start get getting going, how exactly does everything play out? Because a lot of people will pay attention to what you did this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Curling fans are definitely a part of that. But right. leading up to that, what are you going through even to get to the opportunity to vie for the Ontario Men's Curling Championship? It was a lot of practice and a lot of tournaments. So starting in August, we did a team development camp with the Ontario, Ontario Curling Council and the Canadian Sport Institute. And they came out and they gave us 
uh, technical coaches. They gave us nutritionists. We had a sports psychologist. Uh, we did physical testing and all these things just uh, to put ourselves in a position. And then from there, we started entering tournaments. So we traveled across Ontario um, to start. And we, we did fairly well in our tournaments because we hit the ground running. And that qualified us for the Grand Slam of Curling, which are the biggest events in curling besides the Briar. It's kind of a different side of things which sent us from Newfoundland to Saskatchewan to Thunder Bay, playing against the teams that have been in the Olympics and won the world championships to see how we size up against them. And getting to those tournaments is no small feat either. So that was that was really impressive to start with, and this is just the icing on the cake. And is that all on your own dime? Like you're looking after your own travel and things? Um, in some cases it can be, uh, but we've had a number of corporate sponsors who have really helped us out from, um, from cash considerations to uh, apparel and uniforms and it makes it that much easier. Uh, winning some tournaments or doing well earlier in the year, there is cash prizes that are associated with those wins. Uh, that helped too. I mean, it just, you, you do well early in the year. You don't have to worry or think about going on the tournament and winning money. You can think about performing, and it made it that much easier for us. We're talking with London's own Scott McDonald, Ontario men's curling champion, headed to the Briar, which gets going in Brandon, Manitoba, in very early March, March 2nd, I think. March 2nd, yep. It's the first of the round robin. Do you let yourself think about the Briar and who you're going up against yet, or is that still off in the distance? You know what? I think right now you can. I mean, uh, when we were in the provincials, you want to get there and you, you want to think about getting there, but if you don't focus on the process, you can become so distracted by the whole experience that you're not going to go out there and perform your best. Right now is a great opportunity to just let it all soak in and um, think about all the hard work that you put in and the sacrifice that you've given and the people that have helped get you there. I think once we get to the briar and we're piped out onto the ice and you have the Ontario flag in front of you, it's really going to sink in. But when we're on the ice playing against these top teams in the country, um, you have to focus on the process and focus on the game and hopefully go out there and perform your best. What's the difference between going up against someone who's a good curler and then going up against someone who is a great curler? Where, what divides that? It's it's that fine-tuning of rock. So... Everyone can go out there and make the shots if if they go to it. Like, like, you go to your local curling club, you can go out there and you can throw the shots. Uh, performing under pressure and making those shots when it matters the most in front of a crowd of five, six, ten thousand 10,000 people, uh, it's huge because when you go out there and we're playing a Brad Goosh or a Brad Jacobs teams that have won the Olympics and they have more name recognition than us, everyone's watching their sheet, they're cheering for them, you don't get as big cheers as they are, and, or... If they're on a different sheet, your rock's halfway down the ice, and all of a sudden you hear a roar. How do you deal with that? So <laughs> it's gonna, it might take some adjustments, but uh, the Ontario crowd at the Tankard was, was pretty big, and the Grand Slam events were pretty big, and it at least got us a taste of what it's like to play in that environment. When you wrapped up at the Tankard, it wasn't like you had to win in 11 ends. No. You had that one pretty much in hand. What was that last one like? It was an 8-2 final, but going through the, the last few ends of that, what was that like for you and your teammates? It, it was interesting because we got up early, uh, but against a team like John Epping, like their top five team in the world, uh, we were fortunate to beat them three times in a row, um, convincingly, I would say. Uh, you, can't let, you can't let it get away from yourself because the game's not over until it's over, and you have to keep making shots. And I think that once that final rock went down the ice and they uh, stretched their hands out to, to congratulate us, it's just like, holy crap, this just became a thing. Like our, our childhood dreams just came true. We're going to the Briar. Like, this is the NHL for us. It's uh, it's unbelievable. How young were you when you first started thinking, hey, maybe I could play there? Uh, I I think it, I was 13 or 14. 
Um, I had entered the, what's called the zones for Ontario. So it was a region from London to, to Windsor. And the first few times that I tried to get out of the zones, I was unsuccessful. It didn't happen. And you're just like, man, I just, I just want to get my zone patch. I want to get out of this region or sorry, get out of this zone and get to a provincial. And um, I think when I was 15, I won a provincial championship in Bantam. And it's like, you know what, what can I do next? And there was juniors and then there's the briar and the briar. Uh, there, there's such a rich history for it. You get a purple heart. So that's, it's, it's your major prize for getting to the briar. And like people play their whole life to get one purple heart and to finally get it after all this, these close calls and struggles, it's, it's, it's so rewarding. What's your favorite part about the sport when the games are on? Performing under pressure. I mean, uh, the last few years we've had the, the ability to go play in arena settings with the crowds that are out there on the ice and like really, you can smell the popcorn and you can, you can hear the chatter and in a curling club that doesn't happen. And then when you make a, a, a good shot and you, you hear the crowd behind you, it's, it's the coolest feeling in the world. You're going to be going up against a Manitoba crowd at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love their curling in the West. Curling country. <laughs> love it in Manitoba. You're ready for the fact that you're going to be hearing cheers, but they won't necessarily be for you in those ones? I'm, I like the pressure. I mean, I, going up against potentially Manitoba in Manitoba, <laughs> what a great experience. I mean, they have a really rich curling history, much like Ontario. Uh, it's going to be a really cool experience. It's... Curling in London, what's that been like? It's 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 been it's not as big um, of a major center, but London loves its curling. I mean, we've we've hosted some great curling events in the past. We had the Scotties here in 06. The the Briar was at uh, Budweiser Gardens in 2011, and last year we had the Continental Cup. Uh, they love their curling. We have some great curlers from London and surrounding area that have done or have been successful at different levels. Uh, I think this is pretty special. I I know the curlers that. Uh, last attended the Briar to London in 1982. They curl at the Highland. Uh, I'll be having some chats with them. They were actually at the same arena that I'm going to in Brandon Come on. in 1982. So, man, what a strange coincidence. Yeah, that's bookending things for sure. When the Briar was here, were you there? I was a statistician. I knew a few of the curlers in the event. Uh, we had tried to get to the Briar and uh, fell just short of provincials that year. Uh, but I remember looking around the Briar and seeing the magnitude of it and how important it was and just all the, like the celebration of Canadian curling. It, it's a huge piece of Canadiana. Uh, I'm like, man, this would be really cool to get to one day. And it kind of motivated me. I wasn't sure I'd ever get there. Now it's eight years later and it's my opportunity. Anything you saw there other than the atmosphere that you're able to draw on that maybe somebody else who was going into this completely cold Turkey, never been to a briar, never been to a building might not have the advantage of. Um, I just think like the support that you get from the home province and then the fact that people from other provinces, like the people travel from across the country, go to the Briar and they'll cheer on their country or sorry, cheer on their province. So I'm sure there's going to be some familiar faces from Ontario in the crowd in Manitoba that maybe I didn't realize would be there. And you'll get that fan support there too. Now, do you have to do anything that you maybe didn't expect to have to do in order to get ready for the briar? The, the sports psychologist part sounds like it's over. Uh, the, the nutrition part is probably always ongoing. Uh, but anything that you have to do that you thought, I didn't realize this was a thing. Yeah, we, we, have a, we, we made a spreadsheet with our coach, and we have a number of things that we're going through right now. And we're just divvying up all these responsibilities from apparel to um, – fan souvenirs to things for our junior stars. So we have we have four kids that are so uh, assigned future stars or junior stars for our team, and they'll be with us for a couple games each week, and it kind of gives them a fun taste of what the Briar's all about. 
Um, and I think that's a really, really cool piece of it too. We also have some send-off parties that we have to go to. So we'll have one at Highland here in London, and I have to go up to Kingston. That's where my team's based out of, and we'll do that. Uh, and it's just soaking it all in, enjoying the experience. How's that when most of your team is in a different city that's not, you know, driving to Stratford, that's not even driving to Kitchener, that's driving to Kingston? Yeah, you have to commit to going down the 401 and, and visiting them. Uh, we've had a couple of practice sessions this year that have been great. Uh, the good thing about curling is that you can practice individually as long as, long as you go out there with a purpose. I mean, in hockey, we, we, like, we don't have to coordinate a power play and figure out <laughs> how that has to work. Uh, we want to make sure that we're technically sharp. Um, that we go out there and especially in the briar with so much um, outside distractions uh, when the game's going on communication is a huge piece of it so our communication systems are really strong um, and, and I think we can use that to our advantage at the briar well even those of us who cannot be there will make sure and make a lot of noise so you know we can be pretty noisy in this city when we want to be yeah. uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear the echoes of it just a little bit out in Brandon Manitoba Scott thank you so much congratulations once again soaky in every second of this can't wait to follow you in March thanks Mike I appreciate it that is Scott McDonald London curler London's own and now Ontario men's curling champion can you ever hear that enough let me uh, say it again. It, it won't get tired. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ontario men's curling champion. We're back to wrap up London Live in a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Mark down March 1st to 10th because that is the briar of 2019. And when Ontario plays, the guy who you just heard from, Scott McDonald is going to be the skip and set to try and lead Ontario to a Briar Championship. I didn't want to bring that kind of stuff up, so we'll wait and see what happens because Scott McDonald has had an incredible road. I love it. You just look at what he accomplishes, and as soon as you get to the top of that mountain, you think, okay, what can I do next? Where can we go next? What more can we do? And that's an attitude that is always healthy and usually gets people like Scott to the places that they go to. NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Don't forget about that. Been looking it over. The number of short contracts that exist in sports now. A lot of teams have been burned by things like 15-year deals. We're not going to see those anymore. Even Austin Matthews yesterday. The Leafs could have signed him to a 15-year deal. In the old days, they probably would have. Austin, would you like to agree to some job and financial security? Here is this much money over 15 years. You and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's grandchildren will be set. And now it's not like that anymore because the contracts are big enough and enough teams have been fooled in the past or maybe maybe fooled's the wrong word. Maybe hurt is the right word by... A player doing well, you reward him with a lot of money, and then you find out, well, you know, he was a really good player because he played with this guy and this guy. But now that you have him on your team, eh, he's okay. Is he worth the big contract that we gave him? No. So you sign somebody to a shorter deal, and that creates more movement. Wait and see what happens at the NBA trade deadline. We'll see more movement, and we're going to see shorter contracts, and we're going to see bigger jumps in free agency. Guys don't need that same loyalty. They're out to get their money while they can, and they want to win a championship, yes, but they want to make sure they're looking out for themselves and their fellow teammates. A lot of the buzz around the Austin Matthews deal from yesterday is that it's kind of changed the landscape for some GMs because now 
he's kind of up the big pile of people who are in his circle. So, yeah, you're kind of like Austin Matthews. Yeah, that means you deserve this much money and these bonuses. So interesting watching in the business of sports in the next little while. We'll watch it for you. Don't forget, we have our Chorus Radiothon at Children's Hospital on Friday. That's coming up very, very soon, and it's always an incredible day. Please be a part of that in whatever way you can. Thanks very much to Matt McKinnis for all of his help today. The drive home, as John Parsons had pointed out, will be slippery. It may not be too, too bad, but just take it easy. And seriously, with the temperature set to drop just a little bit tonight, if you don't have to go anywhere, please don't. If you do have any problems, remember, London Live brought to you by Winmar, your restoration specialist. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.